Hello and happy holidays, listeners. Before I introduce today's guests, and yes, that's guests, there are four of them, I want to speak very personally to you, listeners. So about three weeks ago, I came on here with a short message letting you know that I was slowing down my release schedule to reevaluate everything, and I asked for your help. I asked if you would fill out a survey so I could make some hard decisions based on data instead of just on my feelings. You guys came through in an amazing way, and I'm very grateful. And thanks to your feedback, I feel so relieved. Um, I feel released from the parts of the storied recipe that have become burdensome and excited to explore new ideas and step outside my comfort zone and really invest in growth in 2022. There are so many details about this to discuss, and I wanted to share them transparently with you because you really gave me this gift of your time and allowed me to make good decisions based on your feedback. So I'm linking right here in the show notes to a blog post where I share all of the data, my analysis of every result, and especially the big changes that I'm making in 2022, again, based on your feedback. So again, thank you. You can look for the link in the show notes to read all about that. So now, now it's time for the main event. I am absolutely certain that everyone listening to this podcast about food and heritage and culture definitely associates the holidays with two things. The first is family time, and the second is treats. And this is an episode about both. Today, I'm welcoming three sisters, Amy, Teresa, and Amanda, and their mother, who's also named Teresa, a little bit confusingly, to talk about their holiday chocolate-making extravaganza. And when I say extravaganza, I'm not kidding, not in the least. Every year between Thanksgiving and Christmas, these amazing, high-achieving women produce over 3,000 perfect chocolate bonbons of dozens of varieties, immaculately decorated for family, friends, and charity. They discuss in this episode the evolution of their tradition, the sourcing of their ingredients, and the techniques necessary to produce the perfect chocolates. Also, lucky for all of us, they share the recipe that started it all from their Italian grandmother, still their most discussed candy among friends, which is the perfect English toffee recipe. You can learn how to make it. (laughs) If I can learn how to make it, you can, because my first batch failed and they're going to explain to us why. So I'm so grateful to welcome Amy, Teresa, Amanda, and their mother, also Teresa, to the podcast today. Thank you, ladies, and thank you, listeners, for being here. (laughs) Hello. Good morning, Becky. How are you? Good morning. I already hear a lot of laughter. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize that I am late. Have you guys been waiting? Oh, no. Just enjoying a cup of coffee and tea. Oh, that sounds lovely. That sounds lovely. Yeah. I <laughs> I've been wondering, I've been wondering actually, I'm going to ask it later on, like how you kind of pace yourself eating through the day because I find on long baking days, I just I just kind of nibble at the sweets and I feel horrible at the end. I was wondering if you start with a big breakfast or anything like that. It helps that we all have kids, I think. Yeah. Because they're always hungry. Oh, so you <laughs> you have to feed them. <laughs> yes. Mm. There's planning that goes into that too. Yes. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there for sure. So, and where where are you guys in the country? We're in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Okay. So what's the weather like there right now? And what's it like? visually it's it's beautiful here in maryland it's a very late fall everything's kind of golden it's frosty it's frosty a little chilly but we yeah kind of crisp but a blue sky Oklahoma's kind of famous for their pretty skies Mm. and it's a blue sky Oklahoma day Mm. probably make it in the 60s probably yeah oh it's a good football day we're a college town good football day Oh, that's great. Okay. So you'll kind of have that on in the background. Yes, yeah. I'm sure today. <laughs> yes. Okay. As being a graduate, then yes. Oh, that's great. Okay. We're getting the picture already. Oh, I love this. So first, can I just get each of you to 
introduce yourselves, um, maybe starting with at, at the top with the mother and then kind of move on down and just tell me a little bit about like your place in the family. Well, my place in the family right now is since I'm the oldest one. <laughs> so, and and uh, what's your name? My name is Teresa. Teresa. Okay. okay. Yes. And, uh, and so it kind of started about 40 years ago. almost. Wow. Wow. So you're also the expert. Well, at any given time, one of <laughs> each one of us is an ex- expert because at any given time, something can go wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <And> does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yes, you're aiming to accomplish a lot today. And then who, um, then who's the oldest sister? Uh, this is Amy and I am the oldest sister and also hosting chocolate making this year. Okay. It's nice to meet you, Amy. Thank you. Nice to meet you too. Thank you. And you said you live in the college town. Do you guys have ties um, to the university there? Do one of you work we, there? We do. My husband's a professor at Oklahoma state. So that's our tie, but we also, my mom got her master's degree uh, at Oklahoma state. And my sister Amanda also went to school here and actually Teresa went to school here for a little bit. I'm the only one, I guess, I at the table that didn't, didn't spend any time at Oklahoma State. I <laughs> thought she would never come. To <laughs> thought I would never come to Stillwater. But here we are. So we have um, Teresa and then Amy. And then who's next? So then also Teresa. But yes. I'm Teresa Cordy. And I'm the middle daughter. Yes. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm just the middle. I'm, I'm the middle. <laughs> I'm, I'm the middle child too. And I feel like that sums up what it is to be the middle. <laughs> we have no claim to fame at all. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I'm the middle girl between boys. And I have to admit, I'm a little jealous of you with your sisters though. Oh, well, we have an older brother who's the very oldest, mm. um, but he, he hasn't been too involved in our chocolate making. Um, whether that's just that he's so much older than we are and was already moved on before we really got interested in it, or he just has no interest. I couldn't say. <laughs> he also lives the farthest away. Yeah. He lives in New York state. I see. Okay. Okay. So, um, there's Teresa and then Amy and Teresa, and then Amanda, you must, you must be the baby sister. Yes. I'm the baby sister. Oh, nice to meet you. And where do you live? I live in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, but we just moved they're from Stillwater. So I okay. was here and then we just moved a couple hours away. Okay. Okay. And then Teresa, I miss where you live right now. I live in Bartlesville as well. Okay. Uh, my husband used to work for uh, Chevron Phillips. Oh, okay. And then I'm up near Kansas city. This is younger Teresa. And I'm- younger. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that's who. Okay. So you're yeah. near um, Kansas city. You said Yes. Okay. So mm-hmm. I don't know very much about Oklahoma geography. How far are each of you from each other? And how often do you get to see each other? Bartlesville is about in the middle. Kansas City is a little further, but Stillwater is about two hours. Mm. And then it's about five hours from Kansas City. From Stillwater. From Stillwater. But from oh. Bartlesville, it's three. Okay. Yeah. So Stillwater really is the perfect meeting point. It's right there in the middle. No, Bartlesville. Bartlesville will be the better one. Oh, I see. Okay. My kitchen's a little smaller and we decided to do it here because after this is all done, Uh it's kind of like, oh my gosh, look at the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) We literally found chocolate on the ceiling at any given place. I believe that. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about this. You said after this is all done, what will you accomplish is it today or this whole weekend? Um, tell, tell me about that. What's the endeavor here? Tell us about it, everyone listening. So we we typically, it start when it started, it was just the weekend adjacent to Thanksgiving. And we would just work really hard over the weekend and make as much as we could. Mm. And as time has gone on and we want to do more and more all the time, whether we're learning something new or we've tried a new recipe that we just love and and don't want to do away with. And as our lives have also gotten busy with kids getting older and activities and things like that, it's turned into one weekend of us all together. And then we each also typically make 
two or three extra candies that we would bring and divide among each other. So it gets a little bit more spread out, but we, we typically make, um, between like 25 and 30 different candies. That's incredible. And, um, one year we estimated, I want to say it was something like 2,500 individual pieces. Yeah. Like, I mean, since we're dividing it among four families, we make quite a lot. That's incredible. Yeah. That's like over 700 pieces per family. Yes. Yes. Wow. I think it's roughly about 300 pounds by the time we get the chocolate (laughs) rolling and stuff. We should weigh it. (laughs) Yeah, you should. That would be amazing. You totally should. You should. And then how will each of you, so let's go down through the four of you again. How will each of you use these? Will it be just for your family? Will it be for um, friends, teachers? How, how do you guys each use this? Well, I, I use them for get togethers for family and friends, but then mm-hmm. we also give them as gifts to like our butcher and our just close friends and maybe mm-hmm. people we used to work with or somebody we want to give a special gift to. Sure. Yeah. Is that the case for all of you or is there kind of like a special, a special story in there? I mean, a lot of mine goes to like my husband's coworkers Mm -hmm. or um, it'll go to school teachers Mm -hmm. as well. We just give it to people that are important. Yeah. 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 And we make trays. If we go to a holiday holiday party, we'll make a tray. Yeah. um, Yeah. We're, we're everybody's best friend. Yeah. <laughs> I know you Christmas are. <laughs> we've had, we've had coworkers when we moved, we were in Lawrence, Kansas before, and we've had coworkers that are like, you ship that, right? Like that's coming. So we're still getting that, right? Yeah. 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 Well, I had, I was wondering, did you ever like even have an inkling of making this into something commercial? No. no really. <laughs> There was not a holdout among you. You're completely unanimous in that, huh? It's like exhausting enough for one day. We do do a lot more chocolate than just this time of year, though. I mean, we do. We started more holidays. We started a little bit more holidays. Like we'll do Easter, Um, Halloween, Halloween. Mm -hmm. and then like we did chocolate for my wedding. Oh, we got a whole chocolate bar. Yeah, I have oh. a chocolate bar as well. Oh, um, wow. And then we will also do it for uh, fundraisers for nonprofits. Oh. So we do a lot for charity. Okay. Mm. What are some charities? Um, well, Teresa just did a big one. I, d- I did. So I did um, a bunch for No Kid Hungry. Mm-hmm. And um, I like to, every year, the last few years I've done um, a fundraiser for the multiple sclerosis foundation. Mm, yes. And I did one for Martha's task, which is a um, organization that helps people, uh, low income women who don't have a skill to learn how to sew. Mm, mm-hmm. And, uh, Amy, you do. I've done several. So I've done for, um, the, CASA advocacy, which is a court appointed special advocate for, for children. Mm -hmm. And then also for the medical foundation here in town. And then also for the homeless shelter and uh, community health foundation. Wow. Yeah. So these chocolates have touched a lot of people. Oh yeah. They, most people know them. Mm -hmm. Most people know them. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I do swimming and I was swimming the other day and there was a woman in there who also plays pickleball and my husband plays pickleball. And so I'm always looking for a place after Christmas to get rid of my extra candy. And so he takes it to pickleball and I was telling her I was going to go make candy and she goes, Oh, that's that candy that shows up at pickleball. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. That's great. Well, Teresa, I'd love to, um, to treat it's Teresa Greer is the the older yes. Teresa right yeah Teresa I'd love to stick with you for a minute because um obviously this started my understanding correct me if I'm wrong is that it started not with you but with your mother is that true my, it was my mother-in-law your mother-in-law my mother was very crafty but she mostly baked but mm. my mother-in-law liked liked candy and so she didn't she would make uh English toffee 
mm-hmm. and uh, she would make um, some fudge. Uh, but she, my husband's an only child, so she never did ever do things very big, you know, because mm-hmm. she was just used to that kind of smaller family. Mm-hmm. So she was making it, and then we were living in New York at the time, and and um, and I'm pretty crafty in that if. If somebody gives me a recipe, I can figure it out most of the time. Mm-hmm. Candy's a little bit uh, difficult sometimes, but we we started making it. And then I actually got really into candy the year that I was pregnant with uh, Amanda, mm-hmm. which was 82. And that was Thanksgiving week. And I was making candy for the first time with my friend. Mm. when I was pregnant and actually ended up going to the hospital that night. To deliver. <laughs> to deliver and I had to say listen I'm leaving now well you know they're like if you just can't wait to have that baby out you can do all these things you could stand up in your kitchen all day stirring a hot pot and more than likely you'll deliver yeah that's right so that was the first time we that I ever did really candy and then you know, it's kind of like everything that we do, we, we start and then we, we just keep wanting to develop it further and further. Mm, is that so a family first, trait of yours in general, not yeah. just a candy? Yeah, yeah. it really is. <laughs> we started with flimsy kind of plas- plastic molds when we were first starting. And now we've got the polycarbonate, like professional molds. We started mm. with candy melts and now we use real chocolate chocolate that's tempered and yeah so I think that but I think because we all were interested and kind of have that drive to do Mm -hmm. nice yeah and learn more and And so what so what we get out of that is or at least I get out of that is is that it's something that we all do together that's family time and and even the granddaughters now have begun being part of it and um, and we've always included the kids, even when they were like five and four, even dipping pretzels or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, Teresa, that is actually the ne- the next thing that I wanted to ask you about, because if you've been doing this for 40 years, um, your kids started very, very young. Well, one of them in utero. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> and now, and now you have granddaughters doing it. Talk to me about let's um, I'd love to start with Teresa and tell me about engaging your kids with this when they were young, where you care about the outcome, but you also care about the experience. Yeah, well, I grew up with a mom that baked and 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 she always in, encouraged us to be part of that. Mm. And um, and if you do it enough, it's it's always there. It's always yes. you know going on. And when chocolate's going on, yeah, it's pretty much. Uh, it, it, it invades the whole household. Really. <laughs> and, I'm surprised so, I can't you know, smell it from here. <laughs> oh yeah. So the kids just, you know, you're in the kitchen, it's taking up the kitchen and they like to be in the kitchen. And so they mm-hmm. want to do something simple. Maybe it's just putting some, stringing some caramel around some pretzels and then dipping those pretzels in chocolate and sprinkles, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of have to limit the sprinkle capacity because they'll use the whole thing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you can't put that all out there, but, uh, you know, just having it available and doing it with them and having them see you do it, and mm-hmm. just doing mm-hmm. simple little projects in the beginning. Mm-hmm. One of the things I always remember is my mom made these candied strawberries and they're mm-hmm. just like, jello nuts coconut but she rolled them in sprinkles Mm -hmm. and that was always a job that I remember doing being really little like she would Mm -hmm. say do you want to roll these in sprinkles and of course I would always say yes I think for me this is younger Teresa and I I think for me I know that I probably helped my mom when I was younger but Mm -hmm. I don't really remember being a part of the process until I was in college Hmm. And I remember one particular year I'd run across this recipe for like hazelnut rum truffles or whatever. And I made them and we had never made anything like that. And I kind of brought it to the family. Like, well, do you guys want to try these? And everyone tried them and they're like, oh, these are really good. And I think that year we did Oreo cream cheese truffles or something. I mean, (laughs) 
just just sort of typical maybe holiday candy type things, but it, it was almost like a gateway year. And we, hmm. I remember feeling like I was really part of the process and my mom allowed that and my sisters were excited and supportive about it. This is Amy. I think, yeah. I think as a mama, just mm-hmm. being open to some of the messes that come yes. in the kitchen. I think so often as moms, we the effort that you have to go into to, to allow those messes to happen and mm-hmm. just kind of lose yourself in that moment and let your kids experience it, whether it makes a mess or not. I think mm-hmm. just kind of letting that, letting that part go a little bit is so important and realizing, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's art and math and time together. And there's so many things that you're getting out of those moments in the kitchen. Yeah. I mean, she's wicked good at fractions. At yes. Mm-hmm. She's constantly baking and using those fractions and mm-hmm. her baking. So I, I, I think as it's, you know, always right. Our busy lives, it's taking the time to slow down, be yeah. open. I think a big part of encouraging the kids is, mm. is first off recognizing what they can do. And mm-hmm. then also recognizing that they're going to come and go. It's going to be mm. these small touches of time. Mm-hmm. So for example, with toffee, you, it might be that they're helping spread the chocolate after it's cooled or that they're yeah. helping sprinkle the nuts or, you know, like last night, the girls or the night before I'm losing track of time. <laughs> the, the girls were um, painting luster dust in molds. Mm, um, that's a great one. So yeah. it's not always just, real, you know, like here, let's set aside these little pretzels. It is when they're really little, but mm. as they're getting older, they're trying to do more things. So they might be helping polish molds or they might be helping um, spread luster dust on a candy, or they might be helping cut a transfer sheet out. So it's mm-hmm. it's kind of finding the things that they're interested in doing that mm. are small time commitments for them. So they can kind of come and do a little bit and then they go leave and they do good mm. stuff for a little while. Yeah. I think that is a really important key. Like you don't have to s- commit to the project. I'm just going to kind of find something or maybe even give you a choice. Like you said, what they're interested in, like you can cut or you can paint, you choose. I think that's a really important point. Yeah. Let, like that, let them be free to go. It's not their burden to create 300 pounds of chocolate. <laughs> yeah. and I'm not sure that we set out to, yeah. for that to be our burden either. <laughs> it just happened. Oh, well, yeah. The other thing I'd love to know, or one other thing of many things I'd love to know about this process is about your collaboration together. It's kind of a finely tuned machine at this point, I'm guessing. Although, of course, it gets to be chaos in the middle of it. So do you have... Hey there, listeners. Sorry to interrupt. I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am. There's still a lot to learn yet about making the perfect toppy toffee and how to temper chocolate at home. But first, I quickly wanted to tell you about two things coming up for the podcast. First, later this month, I will be sharing my most personal and precious holiday tradition. And although I highly treasure this tradition, very few people actually know about it, even among my closest friends. But this year, I will be sharing it with you. Also, coming up in the new year, as I researched this very episode, I learned that Teresa, Teresa the daughter that you're listening to, was diagnosed several years ago with multiple sclerosis. This diagnosis changed really everything in her life, um, including, of course, the function of food for her life and her family. And of course, it affected this chocolate making tradition that we're talking about right now. I can promise you that the story and the wisdom that Teresa shared with me in this follow-up interview profoundly affected me, and I know that you will want to hear more from her also. In order to make sure that you hear these upcoming episodes, please hit the subscribe button in your player right now, or take a moment to subscribe to my weekly newsletter. The link is right there in the show notes. One thing I did learn from the survey is that many of you depend on Instagram to alert you to new podcast episodes, but we know Instagram is very open about the fact that they only share my content with a very small percentage, like under 5% of my followers. So please, please, please take a moment right now to subscribe in your player 
or to the newsletter. The newsletter is the very best way to get information about new episodes. You'll hear from me personally, and you will receive the recipes and the images of those recipes related to every single episode. Okay, thanks. Thanks for listening to this interruption. I will return to the interview right now. Enjoy. Lately, like we do have, Amy usually paints the molds. Teresa's usually putting chocolate in. Mom's usually putting chocolate in the um the molds and then I feel like those are basic jobs that we have but Mm -hmm. I feel like lately we're trying to spread that a little bit more evenly so like maybe I'll paint a little bit and we're all trying to do that but one year I think I made every single ganache or at least I felt that way (laughs) (laughs) wow who does the dishes (laughs) Well, <laughs> mom, mom does a lot of those things. Do of you? Yeah. There's for sure some things like, so when I was saying earlier, this is younger Teresa, that oh, we mm-hmm. sometimes make candies ahead of time. I think there's mom is the toffee guru. Like mm-hmm. we always trust mom with the toffee. We trust her now with the toffee. No. We had moments with the toffee where we didn't there was trust a year. her. There was so one much. year. And, and it's always, always the salt. Because <laughs> oh. we, we had one year, it's been maybe four or five years ago, where uh, I was trying to make the toffee that day. We were doing candy and and it kept breaking and, and breaking. And I'm thinking, what is wrong? Yeah. And so Amy tried it and, and it kept breaking. And hmm. uh, did you try it? I think I did. We made at least eight batches of toffee that went wow. wrong where the butter was separating out. Yeah. And so thank goodness for the internet because Amy finally went to the internet and we were, we generally use unsalted butter in our candies, but mm. for toffee, you have to have salted. That is so interesting. Do you know the science behind that? No. I can't remember. I cannot I'm like remember. doing a quick Google over here. <laughs> I, at the moment, we were really kind of nerded out about why it was that that would be necessary. But then my mom was making, was here with my kids when my husband and I were traveling recently and she was making a fall flavored toffee and I use in my kitchen a Himalayan pink salt oh yeah uh-huh. and, my, and my mom added that to her toffee and it wouldn't it broke it broke it again <laughs> so there's something very very important about salt and the size and color right or kind. something that is that really interesting it. and when you say break you mean the um the hot mixture like it separates it, yeah. the, yes. the butter actually comes out of it and it yeah. separates mm-hmm yeah. And mm. so, you know, it's, it's like that when I made it this, this fall, I, I had brought salt and I used it the first batch, but then Amy's salt was sitting there and I thought, oh, I'll just use this. And mm. then, and it didn't come out. And then I made another batch and it didn't come out. And I called Teresa and we had a little parlay and it was like, what is it? Mm. And uh, I went back and I thought the only thing I changed was the salt. And so I went back to my, my salt that I had brought and it worked. So don't ever use Himalayan salt in that your is, <laughs> Wow. That is, well, I'm going to be honest. Mine broke a little bit. So it? now I'm, it did just, a, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like as it, I poured it, it in, touchy. what's that? It can be kind of touchy. Yeah. As I poured it in, it was maybe like a tablespoon of liquid poured before like yeah. the, the rest of it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't do that. So, huh. And I feel like the, it didn't till just the end. Yeah, that's when it doesn't. Hmm. Uh, and that's the thing that is so intriguing about making candy is, is as much as we've done it and, and how many different kinds we've done, we will always, every year, encounter a problem or several problems Yeah, I as mean, to what is going on and what do we have to adjust. Candy is touchy. Uh, candy is, I, I give you women a lot of credit because candy intimidates the heck out of me. I actually stay away from it. It's very touchy. And, um, yeah, just as the humidity in the kitchen might be different or the temperature or any, any, like you said, um, you use a different type of salt, um, any type of, any type of change. Um, it's such a scientific process. It's such a chemical process really. So 
And it's interesting too, this is Amy, I think even as we've evolved as, you know, cooks and bakers and candy makers in the kitchen, you know, we started just measuring with cups and teaspoons Mm. and now we use scales Mm -hmm. and um, understand that in candy, that's, those things are really important. Those extra grams or ounces Mm -hmm. make a difference. And so it gets a lot more precise. I think, especially when we're in kind of mass production mode, it's always Mm -hmm. a little sad when one doesn't work out (laughs) because you've got to add time later to make that happen. Or or you get, or you get ready to pop a mold that you've sprayed and, and you've you've just done a great job spraying it. And you're so anxious to see it because it's going to be so beautiful and you go to pop it and the colorant sticks in the mold and the chocolate does (laughs) And you have a huge mess. Oh, (sighs) We call those uglies and there's always a plate of uglies sitting on the table. And we pretty much base the success of a year on how full the plate of uglies is. (laughs) But I will also say that we all have friends and neighbors who love our uglies because they still taste delicious, but we give them rather freely. <laughs> Absolutely. I have a friend that I made pancakes for once when I was a pretty new cook and she just looked, <laughs> oh, I love her. I still friends with her. She just looked at me and she said, well, Becky, <laughs> they win the prize for taste, if not for presentation. <laughs> and I think about that all the time. Sometimes, you know, I'll serve my family something and I'll say, well, it'll win the prize for taste. And that's the one that matters. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, and kind of to what you had said earlier about gifting and whatnot, like when my kids or my husband go to reach for a candy, I'm like, pick an ugly one. <laughs> bro, <laughs> pick one oh. that looks like it's not perfect. Yeah, totally. I the perfect ones away. That's right. That's right. My grandmother always had this joke. There was like a part of the carpet that family was not allowed to walk on. Only guests were allowed to walk on it. It was like, cause it was a really light spot, you know, that wouldn't, wouldn't hold up. So yeah, family has to eat the uglies. They, yeah. Um, so I have, so two follow-up questions and then I do want to go into this toffee cause I have quite a few questions about the recipe. Um, one, uh, before we get into the co- toffee, how, how often over a weekend, do you have to run out for extra supplies? Oh, or my dad should be on for that. <laughs> What's that? Grandpa should be on for that. He off. Well, I will say that yesterday better. we did not go to the store once. No, but oh. we have to today. But we have to today. I would say I would say normally, typically, we send my dad or my or a husband out two, three times a day. <laughs> Totally. Totally. I think for me that that would be how I would measure a successful day. How many extra trips to the grocery store? (laughs) And, um, and then just as a practical question, I, I, I have been curious, um, do you, and it's, this is not like, I feel like this could come off as like a judgment question and it's, it's really, it's really not. Um, but do you find that this is cost-effective? Or by the time, you know, no. Like, no, that was my question. I no, had a feeling no, no. no, because if you, you were selling it, it might be, but no, that's not what our purpose is. Right. I mean, if we made like pennies an hour. <laughs> right. Well, I just mean in terms of buying, you know how you can buy cheap clothing, a lot more cheap, um, you can buy clothing more cheaply than you can make it. Of course, you can buy very expensive clothing as well. But I'm wondering if, you know, you were to buy a box of candy, would it be the same price, cheaper or more expensive than what, you know, by the time you add up all the ingredients, the Honestly, molds, all of I that? Think even if we did an artisan, mm-hmm. even if we bought a box of artisan chocolate, like for example, in Kansas City, Christopher Elbow is very big and mm-hmm. he sells his bonbons that are similar in size um, to ours for like $3 a piece. Mm. And I honestly think because we use such high quality, like butters, we use local cream. We, we, I just don't, and, and we don't, because we're not a business for the most part, we pay, we don't get any of the special breaks on our right ingredients. So I, I think piece for piece, we probably our chocolate costs more. I think. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. what I would say. 
Right. Especially when you're not counting like the blood, sweat, and how do you put a cost on that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, and and then- we don't have like the production, we don't have the production tools that a chocolate shop would have. Mm-hmm. Although yes. we've gotten we've gotten as we've evolved in our candy making and chocolate making. I mean, my mom has a professional temperer. Teresa has a, Mm -hmm. my mom has two Mm -hmm. professional tempers. Teresa has a professional temperer. We have the professional molds. Mm -hmm. We're getting more and more kind of tooled and Mm -hmm. kind of air to spray. That just makes things easier and more efficient. And even just in our, I would like in the more basic things like pots and pans where we've gotten, you know, Mm -hmm. more upgraded, upgraded those Mm -hmm. things from when we first started. So that when we make caramels or we make toffee, I think mom, you probably do you make the toffee in your set. Yeah. So I think we all kind of have a a pan, like I make a fudge and it goes in a certain pan and mom makes toffee and she uses Mm -hmm. a certain pot to make that. And we've kind of upgraded those things Mm -hmm. as we've gone along, but, but yeah, no, it's a, it's truly a labor of love. Yes. It is a genuinely valuable gift on every level. And, and in the area that we live in, like in Stillwater, there isn't a candy shop here Mm -hmm. or in Bar. Well, in Bartlesville, there is, it's a small one. But uh, mm-hmm. you don't you don't get uh, quality chocolates in the smaller communities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you brought up um, like you use local creams and things like that. And I'm also tell me about sourcing the products, because just as you've upgraded your tools through the years, I imagine you've upgraded your ingredients as well and figured out what's worked, what doesn't. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Well, I'll, I'll start first. Uh, mm. I I did this week. I, I drive over to a pecan uh, company over in the northeast corner of the state, which isn't but about an hour. That's two hours from my home. Wow. And I uh, procure the pecans there. And then uh, I also have been known to go to... Uh, a little more to the eastern part, which is probably about two hours, and I get um, Amish uh, butter, mm. which has a higher fat content. Hmm. So I, that's what I do to procure and, and you know, better and, quality stuff. And did you do this? Did this, um, like, if you kind of started with a bag of pecans from the grocery store, was it, was your motivation, like, you just wanted them to taste better? Was it that... Um, lower quality ingredients just don't work as well. So you waste more. What, how did you, and then how did you find these places? Well, I, I had a job that I traveled a seven county area. So I found those places that way. But um, when you go to that much work and you want to be that proud of something that Mm -hmm. you turned out, you do want to use quality product because it's going to affect how it tastes. And I think for us nowadays, if we, go to like a Christopher elbow or something. We don't just pop the candy in our mouth. We usually mm. will cut it up yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then we'll stand there and we'll roll it around in our palate and mm. we'll go, well, you know, what, what are these flavors? And, and mm. so we more analyze those things nowadays than mm. we ever did before. Mm. Yeah. You're like a, a wine connoisseur. For chocolate, yes. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we've gotten to be chocolate snobs. <laughs> we are chocolate. I can't even hardly eat a Twix bar anymore, <laughs> which is sad. <laughs> I was going to say that may be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how you look at it. It's probably good yeah. in a way that you um, you you've become more mindful, you know, about what you what you consume. I guess. Um, how about the chocolate? Sourcing the chocolate itself. So that actually was a a really momentous time in our chocolate making. Mm. We, um, just for fun, like a girl's kind of weekend sort of thing. We took a class in Kansas city from a master chocolatier. Mm. And at the time we were just using like the Peters or Merkins candy melts. And, Mm. um, he, during this class, he showed us how to temper fine Mm. chocolate and, you know, 
the difference and everything. And then there's a store in Kansas city where you can buy different types of chocolate. Um, everything from, uh, what's the G one, not here, deli guitar, everything from guitar all the way through Valrona mm. and everything in between. And so after this class, I, I went to this chocolate store and I purchased a bunch of different types, a bunch of varieties and, we put them on a plate and we tasted them along with the um, Peter's chocolate. And it mm-hmm. really, after doing that, the Peter's tasted like wax. It just mm-hmm. it tasted like candles compared to the fine mm-hmm. Valrona or other French chocolate. And we actually don't use Valrona for a while. We used the chocolate. We sourced the chocolate from that chocolatier we took the class from. And we mm-hmm. did that for a few years from his chocolate shop. and then we weren't able to do that anymore. And we switched, um, to purchasing from this chocolate store in Kansas city. And we've settled on what we decided. We really liked the flavor and melt profiles. The best is, uh, cocoa berry. Hmm. And so we use cocoa berry chocolates for all of our like shells and, and fillings. That's our bait. We, we call it base chocolate, but I know hmm. that's, it's our, I think formally it's Kuvature. So, Mm. so what are the specifications of cocoa berry that make it perfect? Um, I think so with all of the chocolates, white milk and dark, there's a certain amount of, um, cocoa in it and white Mm -hmm. chocolate really just has cocoa butter. Yeah. And then the milk and the dark has percentages of cocoa. And we really like, we, we like the, flavor profile of the mm-hmm. cocoa berry for the, the dark in the milk. We, mm-hmm. we felt like it was a little less bitter okay, than some of the other fine chocolates that we had tried and it melts really nicely mm. um, in the mouth. And so it just has really good mouth feel mm. and it's fairly, I don't want to say easy to work with, but we have not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we had problems yesterday. <laughs> oh, <laughs> It's always when it comes to the chocolate, we usually struggle a little bit with milk chocolate. Um, yeah, just because it's kind of it, it's very particular tempering. Yeah, dark, dark chocolate tempers the easiest. Um, mm-hmm. White chocolate is the most forgiving, I think, coming in and out of the molds. But milk chocolate's always a little finicky. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, it tends to seize up a little bit. It'll, yeah, it'll, it just needs a more precise temperature for the tempering to make sure. When you're tempering chocolate, you know, if it's tempered correctly, it should have a good snap, it should have a good shine, it should have a good, and for some reason, milk chocolate. And none of us actually, that's probably a, a little bit of a more of the other part of our evolution is we all enjoy for the most part a darker chocolate. Mm, oh, I love a dark chocolate. I yes. don't need any sugar at all. I drink my coffee black though, too. So right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that's really interesting. So how many pounds of chocolate do you buy to make these candies? Well, I bought nine bags that are about 10 pounds a piece. They're 11. 11. Now we won't use all of that. Some of that will carry over to like, uh, I do a benefit around Valentine's day. Wow. And so some of that will go for there. But I use additional at home when I do my parts. I bet, we're yeah. clo- I bet we are close to a hundred pounds of raw chocolate, hundred yeah. pounds of raw chocolate. Do you, start with. do you know how many pounds of butter? <clears throat> oh my gosh. <laughs> a lot. Oh, <laughs> I, I would say no less than 20. <laughs> and then there's cream. Yeah. And, and then there's cream. cream. Yeah. Yeah. The most beautiful name in the world. (laughs) (laughs) And Teresa, Teresa gets great local cream from a, uh, a dairy in Kansas city that has high fat content and it's just great cream and it comes in glass bottles and it's, yeah, we buy it by the half gallon. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
multiple I, half gallons. Yeah. I, I always feel like, you know, round up on the cream because you can always whip some cream and put it on anything and you can always make some scones. Like, so okay, whenever I'm putting cream on the grocery list, I round up to what I might need. Um, okay. So like as we continue to talk about these ingredients, I'd like to transition into talking about this toffee recipe that you gave me um, because I'm thinking that the split that I talked about that happened just at like the last second there. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking back to your recipe and Teresa, you would probably guess that it's because I used maybe a lower quality. Like I just used a grocery store quality butter. Do you think that had to do with it? It's more watery. It, it could have been, it mm. could have been that. It could have been, uh, there's just, it could be temperature, mm-hmm. how fast you brought it up. Mm-hmm. How, how, how long you bring it up. That is actually that, that I'm really glad you said that. How long should it take to, to, okay. So just for people listening, this is a wonderful toffee recipe. It, it, it did break a little, but, um, as I was coming upstairs, my husband was like, Becky, what is this? And I said, just stop eating. I'll talk to you about it later. It smell good. <laughs> oh no, he had tasted it. I think he had probably burned his tongue on it. <laughs> um, but it took me a lot longer than I thought to bring it up to temperature. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, the longer it, a lot of it'll, if you do it on a slow temperature, it's not going to brown quite as much. The mm-hmm. toffee will appear to be a lighter color. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, I try to use on my stove, I try to use a um, middle size burner. I don't use my largest burner, mm-hmm. but then I, I was using my hottest, the, the higher side of, of a high medium. medium okay. High. Okay. And then, uh, and I don't, as far as time, mm-hmm. you know, you get so used to doing things, but maybe Teresa, what do you think? Teresa uses induction and I don't, I, I mean, induction moves so quickly. I love induction. Induction is amazing. But what, what do you mean? Gas. What do you, wait, what do you mean by induction? Um, an induction stove top and an induction stove top has all of the precision of a gas range uh-huh. only you cannot burn yourself. And if your pot boils over, you do not have a hot mess because you can wipe it literally while it's still on. But it, but what it kind heats. of magic is this? What is this? Uh, it's magic. <laughs> it heats extremely fast. And so, uh, I use the gas. So I would say maybe I have a gas. Yeah. Maybe eight minutes, maybe. Oh no. It took me like 35 or something. 35. It took me a long time to get it up. Yeah. Yeah. That's a long time. Now I I would say not more than 20. Okay. But but I'm talking about the, the time, not the time that you melt the butter and you add the sugar, but the time where you're actually bringing it up. It was a long time. It was a long was time. It? Yeah, it was. Um, maybe definitely more than 20. Maybe, maybe. Really? Yeah. yeah. What um and I was using a cast iron pan. You think that was too maybe too heavy? It heated too slowly. I have I have changed to a cast iron enamel pan. Oh. Uh, um, but I have in the past used a heavy gauged um stainless pan. pan. Yeah. Okay. It has to be a heavy pan. It can't be something that's lightweight. Yeah, it'll just burn. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I would nope. say though, if I was just starting, if you gave me this recipe to start with, mm-hmm. I would have probably done what you did, Becky. I would have been a little like, I don't want to scorch this. Exactly. I'm <laughs> exactly. I'm just gonna take it slow. I'm gonna see how this goes. I think. It can be when you add, when you're adding sugar like that to your, like on a pan on a stove, or even when we make caramels and things, it is, I mean, you don't want to scorch that. It's going to no. be a Mm-mm. mess. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's finicky. Okay. So um, going back in the recipe a little bit, do you line your pan like with parchment paper or is it so much fat? When it doesn't matter. When I pour it? Mm-hmm. No. No, because there's so much fat, it, it'll just pop right out. I personally pour it on a, a thin cookie sheet mm-hmm. and I just, I put towels underneath it to mm-hmm. protect the counter mm-hmm. and I spread it out on the cookie sheet. And, and then when it's cool, that cookie sheet is a, it doesn't have sides or anything. It's flexible enough mm-hmm. that I can flex that sheet and it will just come right up. Okay. 
That makes sense. Okay. And then when you spread, how long, see, I'm wondering if I overcooked it now, if that's part of my issue, because I also, I had almost no time to spread it. I mean, it hardened almost well. So first of all, the amount of liquid that evaporated out, like the mixture itself, I was noticing because I had it on so So long, the mixture itself got very, very, very low, um, compared to where I started. That's typical. Well, that probably means that you did cook it probably a little too long because you lost, okay. you evaporated too much. Okay. But, uh, generally, it's thick, uh-huh. but um, have a but you you really have I can I can spread it out to the size of a cookie sheet uh-huh. in just a minute or two. Okay. Okay. But she does kind of work it. I think like that's one of my. I don't know, that's a kitchen memory that yeah. I have mm. is my mom, like as she poured it and it mm-hmm. does its kind of initial spread mm-hmm. of my mom taking a wooden yes. like it's a yeah, spatula and, and pulling it like to spread it yeah. thinner. Mm. But that spatula has to be buttered pretty well. Mm-hmm. Okay. I no. silicone too. I think silicone. Yeah, silicone will nowadays will work. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Okay. Okay. That's, that's helpful. And it's also helpful that you use the word pull, which is a little different of a word than spread. It does kind of indicate, um, what the texture is going to be. You're going to have to like work it a little bit. That is helpful to hear. Okay. You, you, you work it after it's been in the sheet and it's set up just a little bit. You, you can, you can then work it and press it and it doesn't really spread as much as it just kind of stretches, maybe. If you mm-hmm. think about like rolling yes. your palm, like if you think about rolling your palm from palm to fingertip, that's mm-hmm. kind of the movement you might take to push the toffee down yeah. and spread it. Yes. Okay. Okay. This is great. <laughs> you guys really are the experts. This is amazing. Okay. So then last question about this recipe, and we touched on it earlier. Tell me your best tips for tempering chocolate from purchase of chocolate all the way to the final spread. Tell me about that because that's, that's part of this, uh, toffee recipe is tempering the chocolate and pouring it on both sides. First of all, you need that toffee to be at room temperature. Mm -hmm. You don't want to put it out where it's cold and you don't want to put the chocolate on when it's hot. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we have little, uh, infrared, temperer things, uh, not temper, but the thermometers. thermometers that we will hit it and, and it will tell us the temperature of that toffee. Wow. So that we want to do it at more of a room temperature. Which would be like a 70, a 70 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think the big thing we learned when we started working with the finer chocolate is, um, the golden rule of chocolate is that water and chocolate do not mix. Mm. So a lot of people will encourage you to melt your chocolate over a double boiler. And that is potentially a mistake because you could get water mm-hmm. into your chocolate and it will freeze your chocolate. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it'll seize it. Seize it Been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so what we typically do is when we're hand tempering is we'll put, um, like if I want to, if I'm doing toffee, I might only need to hand temper about a pound of chocolate. And so I would put three quarters of a pound into um, a glass mixing bowl and I would microwave that on half power in one minute increments until I got it to a certain temperature. Okay. Like for dark chocolate with the cocoa berry, I'm looking to get it up to about 115 to 120 degrees. Mm. So even though you're using the microwave, you're still looking for a specific temperature. Yes, very much so. And we're stirring, you want to be stirring at a regular basis. So you don't get any hot spots of chocolate that would Mm -hmm. scorch. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the chocolate rests. Once you get to that high temperature, you let the chocolate rest for about 10 minutes. And usually Mm -hmm. while it's resting, that's when I chop the other quarter pound of chocolate, very, very fine. Mm. And then after that 10 minutes, I'll start adding little handfuls of the finely chopped chocolate back in and stirring it until I get the temperature back down with dark chocolate to about 86 or 87 degrees. Wow. Okay. This is very precise. Yeah, (laughs) it is. It's chocolate's precise. Um, but you can always, one of the things that we tell other people, like if we're showing someone else how to make this, or if you're doing dip pretzels or you're working with kids, uh, gear deli makes pretty decent 
candy melts that still taste pretty good. And okay. you can just microwave those and, and they okay. still work really, really and, well. And when my mother-in-law started and made toffee, uh, she just used uh, Hershey's Hershey's little uh, chocolate chips. Chocolate. Yeah, chocolate chips. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And you can do that, uh, you know, as a way to just to do it. For us, because we've worked with chocolate so long, we're always looking uh, because if you get chocolate too hot, mm-hmm. uh, you'll you'll start it'll start looking gray, mm. and that's what we call a bloom, mm-hmm. and it's because the fats are not distributed in the chocolate mm-hmm. in a way that um, keeps that from happening. And if there's okay. nothing wrong with that chocolate, it just looks very. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not what you put all that time and effort and money into creating. Yeah. I, I, I understand that. So, okay. Well, our hour, I know you guys need to get back to making chocolate. So I do have one, well, maybe two, maybe two last questions, if that's okay. Yes. Okay. So my, my second to last question is after all of this work, tell me about the storing and packaging system, because that feels totally overwhelming to me. And also like a really important part of the process. Cause you have to transport these all back and they have to be stable and you can't put them in a fridge. Tell me about that. So we have these plastic trays that once we pop them out of a mold, we'll put them on these trays and then eventually we'll go out and, um, one of us or multiple of us or husbands We'll go out and divide them into fours Mm. since there's four families. And then we put them in little plastic containers. Um, But each chocolate goes into its own like little baking cup. Wow! So we have to move them from the tray to the baking cup. And then the baking cup will go into the storage container. Mm -hmm. Um, And we do that with gloves, white gloves. So we don't put fingerprints on the chocolate. Yeah. And so then we'll package those up. We each have these bags from TJ Maxx that they have at the checkout that are like, they're almost like a paper with a reusable bag. Yeah, 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 yeah. We all have about four or five of those Uh full of um, boxes of candy. And I then at home, I move mine to like a big storage unit or storage container. And then I usually spend one day making boxes of chocolate where I just put them all out on a table and put them in their own box yeah. for, for yeah. gifting and other things. Yeah. And yeah. I'm thinking that's, I mean, I'm sure there's ribbon and filling and that's, that's like a whole nother um, talent to package up <laughs> gifts, to be honest with you, yeah. that I do not have at all. <laughs> yeah. And we're lucky in the, in the area of the country that we live in, in, uh, this time of year, in particular, we can put them in tubs. We can put them in individual tubs and put them in bigger tubs. And that garages are generally in the 50s. Mm. So it's not as cold as a refrigerator, but it's cool. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see. I see. Any Anything else on that one? I don't think so. It is really, it is important to store it in a, you know, not hot yeah. place and, and dry, dry. dry. Those, yeah. those things are important for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. And so then my last question would be, um, we've heard, you know, where this, where this has come from and where it is now, what do you envision for this in the future? Do you feel like you've maxed out and now you're going to coast at this level? Do you see it getting bigger? Do you see more people coming in? Um, how do you imagine things changing in the future? Well, I think certainly that we'll have grandchildren that are involved at different mm-hmm. levels. And, you know, we have here today, we have grandchildren as young as four and as mm-hmm. old as uh, 16 almost. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you have a wide variety of things that they can do or want to do. But but we're always uh, talking about a signature one that we're going to do. We, we don't ever want to just do the same things always. I mean, mm-hmm. even though we might do it in the bulk, as the same, mm-hmm. we always want to introduce different stuff I or, love that. or mm-hmm. a technique that we may have learned uh, that may be more difficult. Mm-hmm. We're always looking to, to challenge where we are and where we're going. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Well, and this year, 
kind of one of the special things this year is that, so the last several years we've been calling our little collaboration for chocolate, mm. which represents the four of us. And mm-hmm. then also like, you know, for the chocolate, of course. Yeah. Um, so this year we, we went through the process of having custom transfer sheets made for the bottoms of the chocolates. And oh. that's actually really exciting because when people pick up a piece of yes. our chocolate, they'll we're look at the bottom it. and and we're kind of branding it, but it's, yeah. it's, even though we're not a shop or anything, it's special to us because we know what it means. And so every time we look at the bottom of one of those chocolates, we're going to remember this weekend and how important our collaboration is to each of mm-hmm. us. And that's exciting. But I think yeah. somewhat to what my mom said, I think going in the future, the change is going to happen with the next generation of kids, just like so many of the changes happen with my generation and my sisters. Yeah. Um, but they're going to bring new ideas and thoughts and hopes and plans to the table. And it'll be up to us as the older generations to welcome those and accept them and, and evolve with them. Wonderful. I love it. All right. Anybody else have anything to add? That was a great. We, we always look forward to making our candies, but we're always glad when they're done. <laughs> I think that is a statement that can be applied to everything holiday related. <laughs> I love that. Well, ladies, thank you so much for taking this time, and even even more than the hour on um, what I know is a very busy morning, and. Um, I wish you a lot of success and a very small number of uglies today. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Becky. Thank you. My pleasure. I will be in touch with you all. Okay. Okay. Take care. Okay. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again to Teresa, Amy, Amanda, and Teresa for this interview. The link to their perfectly delicious English toffee recipe is right here in the show notes. Remember to hit that subscribe button or to subscribe to the newsletter right now. Thank you so much listeners and have a great week, my friends.